Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Well, I must admit, I have mixed emotions. My emotions are mixed. They're all mixed up. Hello, everybody. I'm Don McDonald, Tom Cock over there. And why are my emotions mixed? It's this whole business of the student loan forgiveness plan that was overturned by the Supreme Court recently. And the reason I have mixed feelings is because my daughter stood to get $10,000 forgiven. And I was all for that, particularly considering she's unemployed and now pursuing a master's degree. So what happens from here? That's one of the things we're going to talk about today. Plus, plus, as an added bonus, we have a topic that you've you've always known and loved. The special people, um, and uh, I, I get special favors programs made just for them. So uh, stick around for another edition of Talking Real Money. We love trying to help you with money, and we take your questions at 855-935-TALK or online at TalkingRealMoney.com. Today, though, let's start with student loans. Was it legal? Was it not legal? Apparently, it wasn't to just forgive student loans. So what do these kids do? They have these massive, and I'm talking kids in a very large sense because <laughs> there are people in their, in their 40s still paying on their student loans. And what do, it's a huge burden on a lot of kids. They took on these loans in college. They, a lot of them were just awful. They are, they weren't that bad when interest rates were low, but now that interest rates are creeping up, it's, it's, it's a, it's more ponderous. What do we do about all these kids who took on all this debt? There are a lot of political ramifications and arguments embedded in it, but overall, it's a problem. It's a big, bigger than I had thought when I looked up the numbers today. Uh, it's $1.8 trillion in federal student loans. That's a lot of money. Uh, part two is the average of, of somewhere in around $21,000, $22,000 per person. It's considerable. And it, I'm with you. I feel very. I, I don't have a. I don't have a, a dog in this hunt like you do. But I. I do worry that what it means to people individually. So I went around the office today. I was fascinated because we have a lot of people in their 20s here mm -hmm. uh, that are working and they're getting paid pretty well. Not outrageous. Not Tom, above minimum wage. <laughs> above, but not Tom Brady money, which no, we'll get no, to in no. a minute. But uh, so they're they're doing okay. But there's a lot of people that owe a lot of money, as much as forty five thousand dollars, which just seems. If I was twenty eight, that would be like, oh, that just feels like a burden. It's never going to be. Different. It is a burden. That's a lot, and they've enjoyed this respite from making payments, but that's coming to an end, right? They got to start paying again, I believe, this fall. Although I don't know that that's entirely clear because aren't some of the loans income based and that's going to it's, just, it's well tricky. and that's what we're going to talk about is there are still some solutions particularly for lower income people with student loans there is a new program that is getting fired up there's there's been for a, a while the, a program for those who work in the public sector certain jobs in the public sector they can get their loans forgiven over a period of time but there's a new program that's coming out called saving on a valuable education which of course what's the acronym for that one Take save save yeah save sure yeah this is uh it's it's an income it's called an IDR plan income driven repayment plan and if you're low income and they're guessing that about a million borrowers 
are low enough income to be eligible for a $0 payment. And looking at the numbers, that will be my daughter. Zero payment. And uh, but so, so that, that just pushes the problem off, right? Right. That pushes I mean, the problem off. Yeah. But, but they're not making those payments. And uh, there is, oh, and by the way, they've eliminated negative amortization. So it's pushing the loan off. Yeah. But, but it's not accruing interest. So there's, for the right situation, I think that might make sense. Sure. Yeah. And there are some, there, there's, a pl- there's a potential plan to forgive some of the debt down the road after you've made payments for a certain amount of time. So this is a program that has some potential to at least alleviate a bit of the pain. It's not as sweeping as a flat-out forgiveness program, but it does have some components that allow for forgiveness years down the road if the loan is still outstanding. And if it's a federal loan, do you still have the option of working for a federal agency and having some of that forgiven as well? Isn't that uh, something? I think that's an option. It was public service that. jobs, but I don't. Okay. I, I, I honestly don't know about the public side of that. Uh, but the fact is, they are a pain. They are ponderous, and it really is something that you, as a parent, and you, as a uh, stu- or I don't think we have a lot of students listening, but you, as students, Talked really to need the other to. Day. Yeah. You really need to think more about. We don't have zero interest rates. And a lot of these loans, my daughter looked at one that was a 4% origination fee and 8% per year. Whew. That's not cheap money. That's not cheap money. It's very expensive money. You I need to make sure the degree you're getting is worth the money you're borrowing. I'm going to say it because I did talk to a couple people in higher education and basically everyone agrees that for an advanced degree, you should not be borrowing. That should, you should just, that should be, the money should be paid for that degree without borrowing. What, what about people who can't afford to pay? I don't, I, I'm just saying, I talked to a yeah, couple people see, that's, in the business. That's the thing. That's it, what they said. Right. Then what do you, you know, do? If you know. want to pursue a job that requires yeah, right. a graduate degree, yep. how do you pay for it? Yeah. I mean, the things that I see are when we talk to people, I, I've talked to people who are early sixties and still had student loans. Remember, if you have a federal student loan, they will withhold part of your social security at some point to pay that back. That's not funny, but it's true. Um, I mean, the other thing, and I talked to the young people about this today, they got to wait to all of them. Interestingly enough, are are participating in the retirement plan here, which is great, but you got to wait in many cases to start a family, to buy a home, to do other things, because you've got this other burden, which now is back on you that you got to start paying that's going to eat into your cash flow. And by the way, I do wonder if everybody starts having to pay back their student loans, if that's going to bring on the long-awaited recession that we've heard so much about. That it ver- Who knows? Could. There are so I, many yeah, things factors, that could yeah. cause a recession. That's why right. we don't sit around and try to no. bet or guess inflation, inflation or recession. Uh, you can't guess any of this stuff. It's going to happen. Something is going to be the impetus. And in hindsight, we'll absolutely know what caused it. Yeah, and if you, <laughs> if if you, by the way, you took you heard Don's advice about sort of putting things off. But if you're one of those people who says, "Hey, I I, I want a plan to pay these off," well, there's all kinds of things, right? I mean, extra payments towards principal, enrolling in auto pay, which I think makes sense 
for basically any debt should just be right out of your account. And upping, instead of paying monthly, pay bi-weekly because that gives you a few more payments a year. But there is no easy solution. There is no right solution. And it's just something that's now been this ticking time bomb that is back. And it's, I think, going to be a problem heading forward. And the other thing, and we really, really pushed our daughter on this one, go out there and work like it was your job to find scholarships. They exist in all kinds of economic niches where uh, a company will give us a scholarship. Your company might even have them, and you might not be aware of them. I just handed out two recently, as you know, and got a tremendously nice note from one of the well, I got nice notes from both, but one note was over the top. So, yeah, I think scholarship is a great idea. And this is something that uh, my parents had talked to me about <laughs> 50 years ago, which I did not do. But if you're in a situation like you just mentioned, Don, where the person says, I have to have this degree to get the job I want. If you're that desperate, if you're really saying I'm committed, then it should be easy to find the time to go find money that people want to hand to you to make that happen. Absolutely. And I want to add one other education idea that we don't hear enough about, although we are hearing more about it lately. And that is the idea of technical training and apprenticeships. It's not, the world is different than it used to be. Most graduates of college are not being rewarded in the job in, in, in their jobs any more than they would be as high school graduates. There is not, just for a bachelor's degree, necessarily a step up in income that is worth the money you're going to spend on certain degrees. So in many cases, in many, many cases, going to work at 18, becoming an apprentice, an intern somewhere, or learning a trade can pay far better than a liberal arts degree. And, and I think that's great advice. The one young person I talked to here who has no debt, guess what she did? She worked all the time. She lived at home or with friends. She deferred the cost. She didn't just go to the school and pay the 50 or 60 grand you can pay today, right? And she walked out the door with the degree and no debt. Good for her. Yeah, plan helps, like with everything. And speaking of planning, you know, the special people of the world... They have a plan. They have a plan, and it works really well for them. Too bad it won't work for us. And their plan is, uh, be special. If you're just a special person, you get things just handed to you. You get money, literally, just dropped in your lap because you're special. And what I'm talking about is a topic that we've discussed before. That's crypto and the FTX deal. And it was just in the Wall Street Journal, a piece about Tom Brady and and his ex-wife. And how much money this wackadoodle guy at FTX, I I don't believe you should necessarily judge a book by its cover, but, you know, if I met with him, I'd be, really, you're you're a billionaire, sir? Really? Well, A real billionaire with real money? Was a billionaire. Yeah, but at the time he met with Tom Brady, he was a billionaire on paper, or, well, not even on real paper. He was a billionaire online. And True. It wasn't paper. It was air. <laughs> it was electrons. It was electrons. He, I mean, this is the thing. Okay. Just to give you a little background on the story. By the way, if you want to learn more about the weird things that he bought, 
Bloomberg's heist issue is this week, and I highly recommend it because it's. They, I didn't realize they bought a small bank in Eastern Washington where they could start doing crypto. Anyway, it's very odd stuff. But since we're living in this age of kooky, crazy, cash hungry Kardashian stuff, mm-hmm. which is what what it is. I mean, is it Tom Brady was an ambassador? Love the uh, love the the moniker there to FTX picking up $30 million in stock. So it may be worth a whole lot less or zero today. And Gisela is a then charming wife picked up 18 million as she was also a special consultant to all this. And by the way, the 30 million, she was the environmental was, consultant, yes, the consultant uh, talking about their environment. Uh, and didn't, Dave I think Ramsey, it was the hot air they were spewing. <laughs> what didn't Dave Ramsey get 30 million for pushing timeshare? 30 million is kind of the number, um, but actors, athletes, and celebrity endorsements. Really? I mean, I can't believe they're as influential as they are. Oh, if we're going to throw people under the bus, Larry David should get it as well because he was, he didn't do the TV. Yeah, but you know, FTX. Larry David pretty much said, I don't know what this stuff is. And that's what he said in the commercial. He said, I, what, crypto? I'm not doing it. So he at least told the truth in the commercial, well, even though they used Larry David's lack of a clue mm. as the means by which to sell FTX. But the, re- the real thing, it comes down to an issue that is bigger than stars and celebrities. It comes down to this special person attitude that so many of us have. We all believe we're special. I think it's particularly ironic that idiots who invested with FTX are suing Tom Brady for tricking them into buying something that was a bad idea to begin with anyway. Don't they bear a a certain degree of responsibility for their stupid decision to get involved in crypto? (laughs) And the article ends, by the way, with a discussion of Taylor Swift's near endorsement and it there's a i had read previously that she was the one who said no the article suggests that they couldn't agree on terms with her so i'm happy for the uh, the uh, the swifties out there that, that don't have to say bad things about their star singer so yeah i mean here's the thing with any of these things though when i look at it from the the standpoint of all of us the rest of us little people anytime i'm going to look at that and say why are these people endorsing these products what conflicts do they have and who should I listen to around these things? There's plenty of people out there that were telling you this was a bad idea. Yes, Don was one of them. There were plenty of people out there telling this was a bad idea. Here's why it's a bad idea, but it's a lot more fun to listen to what Tom I'm going to make says. it even simpler than that. If it sounds like it has huge potential and you're missing out on an opportunity that is a once-in-a-lifetime deal and only the smart people know about it, run away because the smart people are dumber than you think they are. And they're incentivized by $30 million. At least the 30 million was in BTX stock or FTX stock. So now they're getting sued and I think they have to pay tax on the. I know. I know they, their, their accountants and lawyers didn't structure that very well. (laughs) Lawyers, guns and money are coming next. All right. A couple of questions for you. This one comes from Susan in Park Ridge, New Jersey. One of the 13 original colonies, by the way. Oh, thank um, you for that. I know. Well, we've been Independence talking about this. Day I know. week. There you go. Can you name all 13? Yeah, of course. Okay. I, I believe actually of people that I know you would be one. So yeah. we won't quiz you on that. Don probably does know. I forgot the Carolinas and Georgia, so I apologize for that. Uh, hi, Tom and Don. I have a question on a variable annuity. My husband and I have a small annuity we opened 10 years ago. 
The value is now $88,000. we are planning to retire in two years at age 62. And if we start taking the annuity at that time, we get about $5,000 a year. Since we're so close to retirement, does it make sense just to annuitize this or should we roll it over into an IRA? We have about half a million in a 401k, 27,000 in a Roth, and my pen, uh, my husband's also going to get a pension. So there's other sources of income. The question on the table is, should you dump the variable annuity into an IRA, live off of that money separately, or annuitize the annuity and get the money there? Well, here's the difference. $600, roughly. $600 a year. $50 a month. That's the basic income difference between taking the annuity annuitizing, which, by the way, gives up your $88,000. Bye-bye, $88,000. Not it's yours anymore. someone else's, yeah. You just right. get your $600 a month. And you can't get more than that if should you need it. Right. You're stuck with that forever. Now, if you invest that in whatever way you're comfortable investing, as long as it's well-diversified, you could flexibly, we believe, based on history, we don't know the future, that you could probably take out about 5% of that every year as income, which is $4,400 a year. Ah, that gets to your $600 a year difference. Right. So you're paying and, for a lack of liquidity. But you still own $88,000. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're giving it up for the liquidity. And that $88,000, if some of it's in the stock market, has the potential to grow a little bit in addition to paying that out. And in years where it does grow a little bit, the following year, your payout could be more. So if it grows a lot in a couple of years, your payout could exceed that 5,000 easily in the future. And so you're taking a little risk. Yeah. But here's another thing to think about. If you have a pension and two social securities, you already have guaranteed income from Mm -hmm. three sources, basically. So I don't know that you need to annuitize it because if you said, well, I just want the regular income, you're already getting regular income from three places. So I the only thing that's good about other. it is the certainty of the the relative. I hate, I hate even using the word certainty with anything. I mean, the only place you can really use the word certainty is with a government guarantee and annuities don't have that with a high degree of confidence that you'll get that money. But Again, there's something you give up. Why does the insurance company give you a little more than you could get on your own? Because they get to use your money over those years and make money on it. That's why they're profitable. I still like to tell people, you can set up your own annuity. Mm -hmm. You could pay yourself every year. As a matter of fact, you could pay yourself, I bet, and I'm not going to sit here and run the numbers, but I bet you could give yourself $5,000 a year. Yeah. With a, uh, and that's what, 6%. Mm -hmm. You give yourself $5,000 every year and with very, 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 very little chance of running out of money. Very small, tiny, 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 almost non-existent chance. So you could pay yourself more and still have some flexibilities. There you go. Yep. Got another one? Trade off. Yeah. uh, You said something about no students listening to us. Well, you are wrong again. Well, good thing. University breath. Patrick from Tip City, Ohio says, I'm 20 year old, 20 years old from Ohio. I've listened wow. to your podcast for several months now as I try to become more knowledgeable about investments. And he spelled knowledgeable correctly, by the way, and have learned a well, lot. He can go to college. <laughs> he's, I think he's there. I made enough through seasonal jobs and scholarships that I will graduate debt free. Hmm. 
Good for Good him. For, yeah. Well, you know, he wait. He's already a talking real money listener. Pretty so smart come on. Person he's right ahead there. of the curve. Yeah. Way to go, Patrick. My Currently, daughter doesn't listen to this. No, my daughter doesn't either. She has a friend who does, but not her. Currently, I've maxed out my Roth IRA, put money in short-term treasury bills. Now that I don't understand. If you're 20, your Roth IRA should not be in short-term treasury bills. No, yes, it's I know definitely they're a like, long-term investment. Yeah, I know they're paying like 4% today, but again, Patrick, over the long haul, we can pretty well show you that stocks have made greater returns than treasury bills. So that's, yeah, that's one a mistake. Uh, my job offers a 401k matching of which I'm taking advantage of. The 401k portfolio, 80% in State Street's S&P 500 index. That's great. 20% in State Street's S&P mid cap index. Is this an acceptable balance or would you change anything? It's acceptable, are, but no, I don't know what the other... Sex. No, no, no. no wait, 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 wait. Shh, shh, shh. Give me a second. <laughs> You've got it. Give me a second. Take a Go, deep fast, breath. Fast. It's okay if that's all they offer in equities. But it is not okay as a well-balanced portfolio. You, you're going to need to add small and value and international and all this other stuff somewhere else. You need to find out what other things are offered. He didn't say that, I assume. Well, he said target date funds at Vanguard. And the oh, argument well, that'd I be had, okay. Yeah, the, the argument I had was 80% large, 20% mid is not a good... Balance. No, 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 but okay. it, mid, mid and large are so close to being the same that it's. But I would still divide it evenly between them. Or I, I would no. I think I would just use the target date. No, Skip no, I, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. If just if there's the nothing target. else there, yeah. there's no international, which you at least have some of in target date. There's no value. I mean, so there's a lot of things there that you would like to add. Um. So yes, I, I'm with Don. Target date funded Vanguard would be a better option than just large and mid cap us only. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Because you see that what I'm saying is the difference between small, a mid and large is a quibble. The returns, there isn't a dramatic difference between the returns on mid and large. So it isn't going to make much difference. The differences really start to show up between large growth and small value. That's where you see these gigantic differences. So that's why. Anyway, hey, uh, here's an idea for you. A lot of you during the summer, you don't think a lot about money. You wait until the fall and then it goes a little crazy and you've got all these things you put off planning for. Plan during the summer. Do a little pre-planning for the fall by meeting with a, an Appella Wealth Advisor for free. For free. No obligation. No sales pitch. Where else do you get advice for free? without being harassed to continue to have some sort of a long-term relationship. Yeah, you're not going to find it. It's easy to do. You just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on the Meet an Advisor button right there at the top of the page. And you could even set up a meeting with you-know-who over there. I'd love to chat with you on a Saturday morning especially. Got some openings coming up. And I should mention as well that we just opened another office in sunny Southern California. So Northern California, Southern California, all covered to help you. What about middle California? <laughs> what, like Santa Barbara? Is that what you're talking? No, like, uh, never mind. I'm trying to think of someplace. <laughs> like the, 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 the San, no, Bakersfield or something? Bakersfield, Fresno. Okay. There yeah. we go. I, I, I would say, so, as a native of Berkeley, California, I would say something bad about Bakersfield, but then people just write and they're mean. They will. So They'll say mean things. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Yes. We'll oh, help you oh, in Bakersfield. Oh, my gosh. I've got to address something. Oh. Oh, this is so important. I need to do this. You know, I talk once in a while about our reviews, right? 
and I say, eh, yeah, yeah, stop giving us bad reviews just because you don't like me. I get that you don't like me. Uh, I'm assuming this is something bad about me that you're going to say. No, 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 no. I was going to hang up. No, this is this is this is something we do not do, and this guy's accusing us of doing it. Ah, okay. On one of the shows, I think it was the last Q and A show. Pretty sure. Um, there was a call from a guy who just was really nice. You know, said nice things about us. Uh, he was Luke in Wisconsin. And I got two reviews, and I have a sneaking notion that they were from the same guy, but maybe not. Um, the uh, <laughs> uh, This one says, Don, don't you think it's just pathetic that you've resorted to creating a fict- fictitious character, Luke in Wisconsin, in order to rebut the unfavorable comments regarding your podcast? Don't complain, just up your game. Okay. And then the other one was, podcast could be great if it were more focused on what the hosts say the show's intended to provide. Don, a.k.a. Luke in Wisconsin, is more interested in running down other financial advisors than receiving a greater following. I didn't wow. make up Luke in Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't. I've, Luke, we're gonna, Luke in Wisconsin. Luke, no, that's Luke. lame. It would be Luke in Louisiana or something. Yeah, because I, I would make it alliterative. Aaron so, from Alabama. So, so I know Luke is probably listening because he listens a lot. So, Luke in Wisconsin, you have been called out. <laughs> Could you write again or something? Please? No, no, no. Don't write. Don't oh, write. Don't, don't write. Call. Oh, okay. And then um, do something to prove you're in Wisconsin. Like, open the window and we want to hear a cow mooing or something. Yeah, yeah. Eat a large slice of cheese or something. Eat a ch- chunk or, of cheese. Know, or yell play something. a Packers game in the background. Yeah, yell something bad about Aaron Rodgers or something right. like that. Dude, you know, that'll give it a shot. Then we'll know. Yeah, I he's did. in Wisconsin. So. I, I mean, of all the things, I have, and this is one thing I have never done in my entire career on radio. I refuse it. In the early days, people would say, well, we'll just get people to call. And pretend right. they're callers. Randos. Yeah, you even sure. did that once in a while. You said, well, we'll yeah. just make a... I went, no, we yeah, I we do did. not yeah. believe in making up calls. Either they're real or they're not. I did not make up Luke in Wisconsin, whoever I, you are. I think if, actually, because in my old days, I did do that. That probably what ended my first marriage is my guess, making her make all those Making calls. her make all those calls <laughs> and all those different voices. Yeah, I think it just pissed her off. So well, that's that, plus so. you ruined her vocal cords, making her do things like this. <laughs> Good luck, Luke. We'd love to hear from you. Please call. <laughs> Luke. Thanks, Luke. You did say, Luke said nice things. I know. But I th- thought they were real. I'm sure he's real. Anyway, thanks for being a part of our little get together that we try at times to make fun. Sorry if we go off topic. Uh, it's funny. I, I, I'm going to be on a future issue of Stacking Benjamins. Yeah, love, looking forward to hearing it. Great show. Like, uh, the the 20-somethingth of July, I think. Uh, it's funny. I was looking at their reviews and they get the exact same complaints we do. Which Quit are? being funny. Oh, no more fun. No more funny. Stop Make being str- funny. This is money. I want you guys. It. This is serious. Yeah. You need to be serious all the time. I already did that show called Serious Money. Serious Money. money. And he did. Past. He was like this all the time. I, <laughs> I'm Tom Cock. I'm really serious because we talk serious money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this don't, show ain't that. Do not laugh ever. Don't laugh. Thank you. We're leaving. Bye now. We're going to go somewhere else where they're talking real money. 
hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment tax or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.